everyone. Welcome back to another Takes by the Lake here at Cleveland.com. Our all-sports podcast that's really, truly not an all-sports podcast. It's my Browns Draft Obsession podcast. This is Doug Maurice from Cleveland.com. You can read my stuff at uh, Cleveland.com. You can follow me on Twitter at D-O-U-G-L-E-S-M-E-R-I-S-E-S. Two great guests today. I have podcast fever. I think we're going to do three separate podcasts this week. The last full week before the NFL draft, I have two great guests. Eric Galco from Optimum Scouting, who is a draft analyst for the Sporting News. And Ryan McChrystal from Bleacher Report, who also has his draft rankings at draftaces.com. This is the, is it possible that drafting Josh Allen might work out okay? I don't think so. There's a knot in my stomach, but maybe... It Won't Kill the Browns podcast. I don't want Josh Allen. No offense to Josh Allen. I'm fine with the other three quarterbacks. It certainly seems like it's been developing, as Mary Kay Cabot has reported all along, that the decision might be down to Sam Darnold and Josh Allen for the Browns. Maybe Baker Mayfield's still in the mix. This is a good year for quarterbacks. Somehow, if the Browns draft Josh Allen, could it be okay? Or would it be a disaster? These guys are going to talk about that. If you have no interest in Josh Allen, turn this off. We'll have another podcast. I think two more podcasts later this week, which will not be so Allen-focused. Those will be more about the draft as a whole. These are about Wyoming quarterback Josh Allen, these two interviews. Good talk. These guys know what they're talking about. These are among the guys that I follow on Twitter because I just feel like they do a good job with film breakdown. They analyze these prospects. They think on their own, and I like them. And I think you guys should want to hear from them. I don't break film down. That's not my thing. I like to talk to people who do the heavy lifting, and then I can spout off. That's kind of how this works here on Takes by the Lake. So Ryan McChrystal will be second. First up, Eric Galco. You can follow him on Twitter, at Optimum Scouting. Read his stuff in the sporting news. He's really good. Right now, Eric Galco talking to me about Josh Allen and other things draft-related with the Cleveland Browns. Eric Galco, kind enough to join us today on Takes by the Lake. Director of Scouting for Optimum Scouting. Um, Great draft analyst for the sporting news. Make sure you're reading his stuff there. And Eric has a very interesting take on things that I wanted to talk to him about. As Browns fans think about the idea of Josh Allen possibly being the next quarterback of the Cleveland Browns. Eric, you have an explanation of how coaches look at Josh Allen and how GMs and scouts look at Josh Allen. And it's not the same, right? Right. And I know I know Josh Allen in Cleveland might not, right now might be the boogeyman for some guys <laughs> and wondering, oh no, we can take Josh Allen, but you know, there's, there's, you could be upset about, you know, considering Josh Allen if you don't like the inaccuracies. But the best way to look at Josh Allen is he's a high risk reward type prospect, and that's where the kind of coach versus scout evaluation of players comes in. And you know, the old when Mike Shanahan used to look at things as a head coach who had a lot of say over decisions in both Denver and Washington is, hey, show me a guy's best twenty plays, and it's my job to make it that way, right? And as a as a coach, you can do that because as a coach. Once the guy's in there, you're the one who has to work with him. And you're the one who, as you're confident in yourself as a coach, knows that you can get those reps out of practice. And I'm down here at 
at York Hall football. It's a new football league. And I see players and coaches every day looking at one rep being perfect and then two reps being perfect. And every day coaches feel that's the way you can evaluate players is, hey, I can get the best out of them. That's my job to do that. And if I don't do a good job, it's on me, not the player. As a GM and a scout, you don't have that type of control, right? Because as a GM, you draft a player and then you can sit back and watch. And you could support that player, such as a quarterback with, better talent around him, and hey, maybe get a different coach in there, but you can't control that player and make that player better yourself on a daily basis, and that's what coaches have the access to do. So for that reason, scouts know that, hey, I can't control that player, so I want to minimize risk as much as possible. And some GMs are more risk tolerant than others. Some are more confident in their coaches than others. But that's the two perspectives, is coaches know that when they get a guy, they can make him better, whereas GMs know that once they draft a guy, He's kind of out of their hands, but they're still going to be judged on his success. Boy, if you're a Browns fan and you're and you're hearing that, Eric, the idea of Josh Allen being a guy with the high upside, but that that coaches might like because coaches believe they can make him better. Hugh Jackson is the coach of the Cleveland Browns. <laughs> can Hugh Jackson make Josh Allen better, or does that pairing? And I know Hugh Jackson is running the whole thing. He's not going to be hands-on every day with the quarterback. Right. But would, would should that part of it make Browns fans more nervous about it? That, again, if you were going to maybe a more established coach, a more established offense, a more established franchise, then you can mold this guy. Does that seem like a bad combo to you, Josh Allen and Hugh Jackson and the Browns? You know, part of me thinks it does, right? And and I will say one caveat here is that we're not sure who John Dorsey's head coach of the future is. Right? He didn't hire Hugh Jackson. Um, he has been, as far as I've seen, and behind closed doors, somewhat non-committal um, on Hugh Jackson's future. And you know, I think Tyrod Taylor is a player that John Dorsey likes a lot and fits what Hugh Jackson does well as a head coach. That's a good fit. But for Josh Allen, that might be more of a hit. John Dorsey saying, "Hey, if Hugh Jackson's the guy to make Josh Allen better, that'd be great. If it's not," then I'll get another guy in here who might be a better fit. And, you know, John DeFilippo, who was the Eagles quarterback coach, now Minnesota Vikings offensive coordinator, would make a lot of sense to develop a guy like Josh Allen after just developing Carson Wentz. So that's something to kind of keep in mind for the future. But that's the question, right? If you don't trust your head coach to develop your quarterback, then generally you don't want to take a quarterback or you want to fire your head coach. So that's a great question to ask. And, and I don't know John Dorsey's and Hugh Jackson's relationship intimately. I do know that they've had, some issues in terms of personnel decisions uh, this offseason that John Dorsey has mostly won, um, according to what I've heard. But um, we'll, we'll see. If he, trusts, if he trusts Hugh Jackson with Josh Allen, that's that's a big trust factor. So I, I think it's more about John Dorsey trusting that Josh Allen can get better with coaching. But again, Dorsey's a guy who took Pat Mahomes last year, but not on his own. And one thing about John Dorsey and his strengths here is that he is great about listening and gathering information from his team. That's one of his great strengths as a GM is trusting his scouts trusting his personnel team because he's a former scout himself and you know last year in Kansas City he trusted Chris Ballard the assistant GM who liked Pat Mahomes quite a bit and he trusted Andy Reid to make Pat Mahomes better I'm not sure if he has that yet in Cleveland but he may want to just say you know what I'll get the right situation for Josh Allen for that coach in the future so I think if John Dorsey sold on Josh Allen that's a pretty positive sign that the Browns want to really build with him for the future regardless of their head coaches we know that there are quarterbacks like this that come out of college into the NFL, guys with high upside who are unpolished. How extreme is Josh Allen in this way? Is there a guy like this in every draft? Are there other guys that you would point to that were 
high upside, but maybe also had big bust potential? Or is Josh Allen an extreme case of how high his ceiling might be, but also how low his basement might be that this guy maybe could be a whiff? Or maybe it sounds like some people think this guy has like Hall of Fame potential. Is he unique in how um, far apart his upside and downside might be? Right. And and what I've learned in the draft process, especially kind of seeing historical trends and, and seeing how decision makers make decisions, is when players are so unique that it's really hard to find an adequate comparable for them, those guys either go really high or really low. Those guys either are huge successes or huge busts. And in that way, Josh Allen's a little bit like Reggie Bush. Coming out of USC, okay. Reggie Bush was extremely, extremely unique. And no one really knew exactly what he was going to fit. The NFL was changing a little bit in terms of utilizing running backs out of the backfield at that time. And he kind of fit maybe today's mold of running back, not quite then. But we didn't know how good he was going to be, but we knew he had to go early in the draft. That's why Reggie Bush went so early in the draft that year. And I think in a lot of ways, Josh Allen's that, because we don't really know exactly what kind of quarterback he is. Is he the quarterback of the future where arm talent and mobility can make all the difference? Or is he a quarterback of the past where accuracy didn't mean as much compared to current current models of offense? So I think that kind of uniqueness and I don't know, but I'm excited aspect of Josh Allen is real. And NFL GMs and head coaches and all decision makers and certainly an owner who's involved like Jimmy Haslam are all going to either buy into that entirely or want to go against the grain. So I think the fact that the Browns, it's important for Browns fans to know, they're not alone. A lot of smart people, including John Dorsey, do like Josh Allen early in this draft class. And it's not a Jamarcus Russell situation where the next five or six teams have him off their board as a quarterback and he still goes first overall. This is not like that. This is more of a, hey, if it's a good fit, it's going to be a huge success. And Josh Allen, despite people not really trusting what he's going to be in the future, has the highest upside, maybe after Sam Darnold, in my opinion, in this entire draft class. And if they, if they feel they can put the right situation around him and behind Tyrod Taylor for a year and a somewhat similar offense could be a good fit, if they feel that way, then God bless the Cleveland Browns. Maybe they find the next generational quarterback talent. He gives me a knot in my stomach. I, I've tried to right. be open-minded about Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold, Josh Rosen. I would be c- perfectly comfortable with the Browns taking any one of those three quarterbacks. I'm trying to get comfortable with Josh Allen, but the thing that worries me is that the Browns, have not taken a quarterback this high since Tim Couch. They've been waiting for almost two decades to do this. And the bust potential worries me. But but from the standpoint of how NFL teams think, Eric, you understand this. It Should the Browns be afraid of that bust potential? Or do you draft more if you're picking number one overall and you're a franchise like the Browns? Should you go more for the biggest upside? And you know what? If you whiff then you'll be back picking a quarterback in two years anyway. Or or I'm afraid of the downside. I would a little bit more want a safer pick that that maybe the upside's not quite there, but at least you know the guy's going to be a decent starter. Or is that, am I thinking wrong? It, should the Browns go for it all with a guy like Josh Allen? Yeah, I think from John Dorsey's perspective, again, it's easy as someone who follows the Browns like yourself to kind of get lost in history. John Dorsey has been a fan of the Cleveland Browns for, less than a year. Um, he, he's never really been vested in their past in general. So John Doris is going to do exactly what he thinks is the best move for selfishly his career and, and rebuild the Cleveland Browns and being a successful general manager. And, and that's why I think the, the upside pick may make some sense. And, and one other caveat here too is that one of the reasons the Browns aren't going to draft Baker Mayfield or Josh Rosen, two of the guys who are more pro-ready where teams like the New York Jets, for example, want a pro-ready quarterback to throw out there right away Browns are not on that timeline. The Browns are on a 
2018, hope it goes well. 2019 fight for a playoff spot. And then their window is going to be 2020 through 2023 to really be a team that wants to contend for playoff success. And that's obviously optimistic, and every team wants to shoot for that. But that's kind of their timeline right now. So they, they traded for Tyrod Taylor. They've spent a third-round pick. They're building for the future. And when you're doing that, when you're building for two years away from now, there's no reason to necessarily worry about the immediate. They traded the 65th overall pick for Tyrod Taylor. They obviously like him quite a bit. John Dorsey likes him a lot and wanted to trade for him last year during the season, um, inquired to Buffalo about doing that. Uh, the Browns made that move this year to kind of have some success. They made a lot of moves in terms of Jarvis Landry, bringing him in, giving him a contract a year early. All these things show that the Browns want to be competitive now, but are building for that 2020 playoff run. And upside's a benefit of that, right? If you're looking for that 2020 and 2018, let's go for the upside guy. we got two years to figure this out. That's why I think the upside is really in play here. Now, the question you may ask is, is arm talent the only indicator of upside? In my opinion, it's not. For most scouts around the league, it's not. It's mental aptitude and all that stuff to kind of figure things out, and that's why Sam Donald to me, and a lot of people around the league since he declared for the draft, has been the best quarterback in this draft class. And I do think the Cleveland Browns will take Sam Donald, and I'll stand by that until my sources tell me otherwise, and they haven't yet. But I think the, the upside question is, I think, more, about arm, more than just arm talent. And if the Browns feel that, hey, Mentally, he and, and Sam Donald on the field can figure things out the same way, and Allen's up, arm talent is better. Maybe the upside pick makes sense, but whoever the Browns draft at first overall will not be playing in year one, almost unless Tyrod Taylor gets an injury or is woefully bad, which they're not expecting. And that's why the upside is a huge part of this equation because the Browns know that their timeline's two years from now. So you think they'll say they'll take Sam Darnold? I do. I, I do. I, okay. I, I don't I, hear otherwise, and people like trust in the industry have said Josh Allen's in play, and. I value their opinion seriously. I'm not saying they're wrong or getting smoked or whatever else. I just, at this point in my in my life, in my career, I trust my sources. And until I personally hear otherwise, I believe it will be Sam Donald. So if they take Josh Allen, if the Browns announce Josh Allen as the number one pick, will, mm-hmm. would your reaction be, oh my God, I can't believe they passed on Sam Darnold. They blew it. Or would it be like, you know what? It's a risk, but it makes sense. My opinion will be, now John Dorsey's on the clock because okay. if he takes Sam Darnold, everyone will feel pretty comfortable that he made the right decision and that things are probably going to work out. And Sam Darnold needs some work. I think he's he's a type of player. I think Josh Allen's a guy I would see out there right away. I think he's a Cam Newton level guy where he's let's figure it out and he's going to make mistakes to get better and either he gets better or he's a flop and that's I think how you develop Josh Allen just like you would Baker Mayfield. Sam Donald's not that kind of guy. I think he just needs to kind of relax a little bit and get used to the NFL game, and then he'll be a star. But if you take Sam Donald, everyone's going to think, good call, John. You made the right call. You got the good quarterback. You're all set. If he takes Josh Allen and Sam Donald goes number two overall to the New York Giants, which I believe he will if he falls there, um, then they're going to be juxtaposed together forever, right? If Sam, if Sam Donald becomes successful like the Peyton Manning and, and Josh Allen's a Ryan Leaf, then John Dorsey may never get a GM job again. Um, so I think the Josh Allen pick will be more of – an indictment on John Dorsey saying either you're a genius or you really overthought this one. And, and that's, I think, what John Dorsey has to weigh is, is how much do I trust Josh Allen over Sam Donald? That's kind of the comparison you have to make here because not just do I love Sam Donald or Josh Allen. It's who do I like more? They're both upside guys. They both put our timeline. How am I going to go from this? So if it's Sam Donald, they're right on track. If it's Josh Allen, he's going to be juxtaposed with Baker Mayfield and Sam Donald for a long, long time. And John Dorsey has to live with that. All right, Eric, last question. 
I'm trying to uh, – This I, I want this podcast to be for the Browns fans who are fearful of Josh Allen and trying to give them something to hold on to if they hear that name on draft night. What is the best-case scenario for Josh Allen if this hits? Whether it's in Cleveland, he goes to Cleveland, or maybe he goes somewhere else. But if Josh Allen hits in the NFL, what's that going to look like? What kind of quarterback are we talking about? Right. Well, I've said one thing that's a kind of a domino effect. If you take Josh Allen first overall, I firmly expect the next two picks will be Sam Darnold and Baker Mayfield, meaning that the Browns get the best non-quarterback available. They'll take Saquon Barkley. So if you do take Josh Allen, you're also getting Saquon Barkley in that sense, too. And what you now have is you've got three capable high upside receivers, Josh Gordon, Corey Coleman, Jarvis Landry, plus another probably mid-round receiver. You've got Saquon Barkley. You get stockpile on the offensive line. You've got a really good supporting cast that Josh Allen, whose accuracies may all inaccuracies may always be an issue in the NFL, but he's got the arm talent to make explosive plays downfield. He can really take advantage of great personnel if he has it once he gets comfortable in the system. And he can be creative in an offense that doesn't really need a lot of help that quarterbacks generally have, too. So even if Josh Allen is a baseline quarterback, even if he's Joe Flacco level as a quarterback, that can still be a Super Bowl team. And that's one area that Josh Allen's makeup talent, which is arm talent, can really make up for some of the issues he has. And again, Josh Allen, Saquon Barkley versus Sam Darnold and maybe Bradley Chubb, maybe move down, a different situation. But I think the, the hope for Josh Allen is that at the very least, with time behind Tyrod Taylor for a full year, he can be at least Joe Flacco level quarterback. And maybe, maybe, you know, a high upside is, is a John Elway comparison. I could get too excited, but that's really the upside. So, I think a little bit it's it's playing devil's advocate, not assuming Josh Allen's going to be bad. But the last thing on Josh Allen that history says, based on his college performance, his scouting report, all that stuff, that if he is successful, it will be an anomaly. And I'll be up to the Browns, whether it's adding Saquon Barkley or more stuff in free agency, to make that anomaly come true. And I think Josh Allen, if he's a Cleveland Brown, will have to find a way to do that himself. All right, I said last question, but I'm going to ask you one more. We, yeah. There was a big debate in Cleveland last year when they drafted Deshaun Kaiser. I wrote about it. Can you teach accuracy once a guy gets to the league? I, I, it seems like a lot of people don't think you, you can do that. So if Josh Allen comes, to if, if he's going to succeed in the NFL, will it be because he becomes significantly more accurate and someone helps him be more accurate? Or will it be because he succeeds even though he's not really an accurate quarterback? He's still kind of inaccurate. It's just that he makes so many big plays he makes up for it. Can you succeed? Are there quarterbacks in the NFL right now who are successful but aren't that accurate? But I mean, Eli Manning. I think Eli Manning has overcome a lot of the just general. And there's two things. There's there's overall accuracy, and then there's ball placement. Right. Deshaun Kaiser has proper footwork. His footwork, his mechanics are all fine. He's still at times too inaccurate. That's something you can't fix. That's just overall inaccuracy. That's really it's ball placement you can't fix. But Josh Allen, part of his inaccuracy, I don't want to give him a cop out here, part of that inaccuracy is poor footwork. It's laziness in terms of adjusting his feet on the move. It's rushing throws and mechanics. And those are things that can be fixed in time that does give hope that his inaccuracies will be better. Now, I don't think it's ever going to be fixed. I don't think he's ever going to be you know, a high-efficiency quarterback. But if that gets cleaned up, then again, one of the as an athletic quarterback like Lamar Jackson who can move – or a quarterback with great arm talent like Josh Allen, the benefits are that you don't have to be perfect. Because as a quarterback, your job is to score touchdowns. Some quarterbacks do that through consistent accuracy and ball placement like Alex Smith. 
Some quarterbacks do that, like Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, with playmaking ability. So I think as long as he can clean up the footwork, and once the excuses are out of the way that he's not footwork or mechanics polished, once that's out of the way, we'll find out exactly who he is. But certainly quarterbacks, Joe Flacco, Eli Manning, even Big Ben in one of the Super Bowls wasn't that accurate that season. You can get by without an accuracy, but it's about being efficient, about taking advantage of defensive personnel. And that's one thing that Josh Allen has to do is can his arm talent, can his special traits make up for it once he's all fixed? And that's a question that John Dorsey has to ask right now. How do you have the quarterbacks in this draft class ranked, Eric? Uh, Josh Allen is not in our top five quarterbacks in this draft class. Number one is Sam Darnold. Number two, Baker Mayfield and Josh Rosen is three. Mayfield and Rosen very close. Uh, number four is Kyle Lalletta, number five of Richmond, who I think will be a second-round pick. Lamar Jackson is fifth of Louisville. He'll be a late from, from early second-round pick, likely to the Saints in round one. Number six is Mike White of Western Kentucky. A, a, someone who is a big fan of him is Scott McLuhan, now a Cleveland Browns front office executive. And finally, number seven is Josh Allen. Okay, so if they take Josh Allen, they're taking Eric Galco's seventh-ranked quarterback. All right, yeah. I, I don't want to hear Josh Allen on draft night. Um, Eric, thank you so much for taking the time, man. That was some great insight. Again, my intention here is to try to give Browns fans some hope about Josh Allen if it comes. I agree with you. I think it's going to be Darnold, but I'm trying to steal myself for Josh Allen. So I think maybe you helped Browns fans, if they hear Josh Allen, right up to the part at the end where you said he was seventh on your list. Yeah, I'm sorry about that. Yeah, uh, but hey, I, there's only once once the guy's picked, just like John Dorsey, he is now it's now out of their hands, and it's up to Hugh Jackson, his coaching staff, and John Dorsey in the future to build a good offense around him. And all you can do is get excited by the wild plays and and go to that Barstool website, DraftJoshAllen.com, and read some good stats on why he's excited. Very cool, Eric. Thanks so much for the help. Appreciate it. All right, thanks to Eric Galco. We're going to get to Ryan McChrystal in a second. First reminder, listen to all of our other podcasts. Subscribe to all of them separately. Now, this this takes a little work on your part, and we appreciate that. You have to go subscribe to Buckeye Talk. That's the Ohio State podcast I do with Tim Bielek and Bill Landis. Spring football is over for Ohio State, but we refuse to stop talking about the Buckeyes. That's a separate feed, Buckeye Talk. Subscribe to Wine and Gold Talk. That's the Cavs. Joe Noga, not Joe Noga, Joe Varden, Chris Fedor. That's the Cavs. You want to listen to them. Subscribe to that. Cleveland Baseball Talk. That's Joe Noga and Paul Hoynes. Listen to them. Talk about the Indians. And of course, Orange and Brown Talk. I know Mary Kay Cabot and Dan Labe are going to check in a couple more times before the draft with their podcast. Um, So make sure you're subscribed to all of them. We appreciate you guys listening to Takes by the Lake. And now Ryan McChrystal from Bleacher Report. More Josh Allen talk. I'll be honest, Eric Galco had some good things that he could say about Josh Allen. You know, wasn't his favorite guy, but he could give you an upside. Uh, Ryan McChrystal has a little harder time finding upside, but there's still good Josh Allen talk. Here he is. Ryan McChrystal from Bleacher Report. Happy to have Ryan McChrystal on with us here on Takes by the Lake. I love his draft stuff. He writes for Bleacher Report. You can find his draft rankings at draftace.com. Uh, Ryan, thank you for joining us. Are you how in, how interested are you in this draft? Do you feel like you have a good handle on how things are going to unfold, or do you feel like there's still a lot of moving parts? 
that you're not not quite sure how this is going to go down. Yeah, well, first of all, thanks for having me, and I apologize for the dog barking in the background right now. No worries. Uh, um, but I'm I'm completely fascinated by this draft. Um, I think it's probably the most anticipation I've had going into a first round in a long time, um, and it's because I don't have a good handle on what's going to happen yet. Uh, usually by this point, we feel like we have a pretty good understanding of what's going to go on in the top five picks or so. And this year, I think, you know, from one all the way down, there's really no pick that you can plug in and say, I'm, you know, 95% certain that's where this team is leaning. And I think it's, especially with so many quarterbacks in that mix, I think it's going to make for a, a very drama-filled first round for us. I know Mary Kay Cabot for us here at Cleveland.com has been reporting for a while that she feels like the Browns are down to Sam Darnold and Josh Allen. Uh, I know there are some people who may think that Baker Mayfield might still be in the mix. How much do you think the first round changes based on who the Browns pick? If they take Darnold, if they take Allen... Does it change a lot what happens after that, or do you sort of do you think most of the same guys slot to most of the same teams, or would Allen at number one maybe throw a monkey wrench into things? I think it potentially could throw a wrench into things if they go Allen at number one, uh, mostly because that could change what the Giants do at number two. It sounds like I mean there have been all kinds of reports that the Giants really like Sam Darnold and that they would probably take him if he's there, but that might be the only quarterback they're interested in. So if they if the Browns take Allen and then Darnold probably goes at number two, the Jets take another quarterback at number three, and then the Browns are back on the clock and everyone who wants a quarterback now is scrambling to give the Browns the best offer to trade up. So yeah. from the Browns' perspective, in terms of getting the best haul overall, maybe taking Allen number one overall puts them in a really good position to get, just get a monster trade at number four. If they take Darla at number one, though, then maybe the Giants say, all right, our perfect quarterback isn't there. We've still got Eli Manning. Let's try to just take one last shot and build around him. And Maybe they take someone like Saquon Barkley who can come in and just make an immediate impact for them. And then, you know, all the quarterbacks start to drop a couple slots, and we, I think we can see a bunch of trades and that, if that happens. Okay. If the Browns don't take Josh Allen, and we're going to start zeroing in on Josh Allen here because I have a knot in my stomach about the idea that the Browns might take Josh <laughs> Allen. If the Browns don't take Josh Allen, where will he go? Do you think will there be will there be other teams scrambling to trade up? for Josh Allen, maybe Buffalo, would, would Denver take him at five? Is, is Arizona his landing spot? Do you think someone comes up and takes Josh Allen if, if the Browns don't take him? Or do you think he just sort of falls to someone maybe more in the middle of the first round that someone just catches him when he gets there? You know, I've spent a lot of time trying to figure that out over the past couple of months. Um, and one of the things I've done to, to try to provide some clarity to that question is gone back and look at who's taken quarterbacks that were huge reaches in the first round before. And I'm not talking about guys that, you know, were drafted and ended up failing. I'm talking about the types of quarterbacks that from the moment the pick was made, everybody said, what are you doing? An example of that would be when the Bills took EJ Manuel in the first round in 2013. Okay. Complete stunner. Everybody at the time was like, there's no way he's a first round pick. Um, and when, if you go back and you look at those, you know, Tim Tebow might be another example of that. Um, going back much further, the Bills took J.P. Lossman in the first round, quarterback out of Tulane. 
those types of quarterbacks, there have been about maybe seven or eight of those over the past 15 years. And in almost every situation, it, there were there were two situations the teams had in the front office. Either it was a GM who was in place for the first time making a decision in his very first draft, or it was a coach running the draft room. And obviously that's been well documented how that rarely works out for teams. And when you look at the GMs and that are currently in place, there's very few that fit the criteria for either one of those. They're, they're much more experienced GMs. There are very few coaches that are in charge. And so I think it's hard to pinpoint who's going to do that. Um, now, now, I would say that there is one wild card that could still reach for that, even though he doesn't fit that criteria, and that would be the Jets, because obviously they're in a situation where if they don't turn around quickly, everyone's going to get fired. And on top of that, they just drafted Christian Hackenberg, who even though he was a second-round pick two years ago, kind of fell into that category of everybody was scratching their heads when they took him. I think it was 51st overall. Yeah, Very, very few people thought that he was worthy of going even that high. And it's been two years. He hasn't even gotten in the field, and they're already talking about drafting quarterback again. So obviously they've learned that that didn't work out. Now, maybe Hacken, they've learned their lesson from drafting Hackenberg, and they won't even consider Josh Allen. Or maybe that's a tell that they're the type of team that you know the guys in that front office are thinking strictly about you know do you look the part and that maybe they would draft a guy like Allen. So if I had to guess, I'd, I'd put the odds on the Jets being a team to take him up. It's not the Browns, and if not the Jets, I think basically what will ha- end up happening is Allen will be the last of the big four quarterbacks on the board, and someone out of desperation will take him because they think they need to fill that this year. And now maybe that's the Bills. Maybe they can't trade up and get one of the big three. Maybe that's a team like the Dolphins. Maybe it's even you know more of a wild card team. Someone like the Ravens. You know, Ozzie Newsom in his final draft there. Maybe he wants to draft a quarterback and put them in position for the long term. All right, you use the phrase "huge reach." If the Browns take Josh Allen number one, how big of a reach would that be in your mind? Or is it possible that you could just look at it a certain way and say, you know what? Certainly, it's a risk but it's a sensible risk, or is it just a flat-out reach? I think it's just a flat-out reach. Uh, This is the 15th year that I've been uh, evaluating the draft, going back to the 2004 class with Eli, Roethlisberger, Rivers. Um, And I would put it as the the biggest reach in that time span. Um, Not only because do I not think he's worthy of a first-round pick. I think he's obviously talented. He does have a ceiling. I have to acknowledge all that. And there is a path to success for him. Um, But he's so far away from being ready to play at a high level right now. And on top of that, there's other good quarterbacks. I I really like Darnold, Rosen, and Mayfield. I think if this were a draft class where only one of those three were in it, Uh I think it would be an easy decision to say just take him at number one. So you got three guys that I think you can make a good case are number one overall pick quality. And for the Browns to take someone like Allen, who I don't think even deserves to be in the first round conversation, let alone the number one overall conversation, I think it would be completely unprecedented. Okay. So here's my confusion on some of this stuff. I am not a film guy. I am just a, a sports writer. I cover Ohio State football. I also write about the Browns. I do some other things. I go talk to people. I try to find interesting story angles. I don't sit down and watch film. However, thanks to the wonders of the internet, 
I follow lots of people on Twitter. I invite these people on my podcast. I respect these people, guys like you, who do watch film. And almost all these people that I respect their work, who are film people who are not in the NFL, they think Josh Allen at number one would be bonkers. But yet, there are certainly people in the NFL when Mel Kuyper is predicting he's going to go number one, when Peter King is writing about John Dorsey's friend that thinks he might take Josh Allen number one, why is there seemingly such a disconnect between people in the NFL who see Josh Allen as a reasonable potential number one pick overall and guys like you, Ryan, that I respect who break down film who think Josh Allen at number one is bonkers? Why is there such a divide? I, I think it really just boils down to that there's a mindset that um, a lot of people in the NFL, especially coaches, when you get into situations where coaches have a big say in the draft, is that they are convinced that they're going to be the guy who fixes them. So they look at Allen and they see a guy who, he's an incredible athlete for a guy his size, sort of similar to Cam Newton in that respect. He's got an arm strength that I think is... You know, he's got the strongest arm that I've ever evaluated in a prospect over the last 15 years. And so you see those two things. And I think a lot of coaches and probably some general managers also look at that and think, well, we've got a good staff in place. We really like our quarterback coach and our offensive coordinator. We're just going to teach them to do the other things. And I think it's just sort of that stubborn mindset that they don't realize that historically, when you have someone who hasn't shown those traits already in college, it's almost impossible to coach that into them because you just don't have enough time to work with these players during the course of the NFL season. And if you throw them into the fire too early, that's when it really goes wrong, because you just you just can't learn those traits like decision-making and footwork and that type of stuff while you're facing an NFL pass rush. If you were John Dorsey and you had been hired by the Browns, you have a track record in the NFL, you've been a GM, you're an established guy, but you're in a new situation. You're in a new situation with the losing franchise, but a franchise that has some young players, a lot of salary cap room, lots of draft capital. Would you risk all of that on Josh Allen because the upside, the upside is so tantalizing that you would roll the dice on this? Or if you were John Dorsey in this situation, would you say, you know what? There are three other guys here who everybody thinks are going to be good and have less of a bust risk. I'm not going to go for it all with Josh Allen. Would you? Why? Why would John Dorsey risk everything on Josh Allen? I have no idea. I can't answer that question. If I were in charge, there's no way I would even consider it. I would. I would actually lean towards Josh Rosen because he's the most ready. And I think that even if Rosen doesn't develop a lot, even if he kind of you know plateaus, not much higher than where he is right now, he's going to be an NFL starting quarterback. And the Browns, with all the young players they have on their roster, all the assets that they have coming in with, with the draft picks in this class, I think that they're in a position to become a playoff team, even if they don't have a superstar quarterback within the next couple of years. And so I would go the route of taking the safer pick of that group at the top, which I think is Rosen plug him in, and I think Rosen can lead you to the playoffs if the rest of the roster fills out nicely like we're expecting by the 2019 season. With Josh Allen, I think, obviously, you're, you're going to go through this year, no matter who you draft, with Tyrod Taylor leading the way for most, if not all, of this season. 
And so then if you put Josh Allen in under center at the start of 2019, you can't reasonably expect to compete for the playoffs because he's going to make mistakes like we saw from Kaiser this year that just kill you in big situations. I think most people would agree the Browns weren't an 0-16 team based on talent, but they had a rookie, they had maybe like a 3-13 and team yeah. with a rookie quarterback making terrible decisions and costing them in some close games late. And you're just going to run into that all over again if you put Josh Allen in under center in 2019. So I think that you're going to have a team that stays bad a lot longer than it needs to. When you've got all of these other players on the roster, like Garrett, that are developing and ready to be on a playoff caliber team in 2019, and they're just going to be held back by a quarterback who's essentially learning on the job again. How applicable of a comparison is Kaiser when it comes to Josh Allen? Is it, is it just big guys who aren't that accurate, or is there anything else there? Uh, I don't, I don't love that comparison, okay. but it's, it's not horrible. There are some similar, I mean, you've got a big guy with a strong arm. I, I think that, you know, that they're similar, but Allen is just like the more extreme version of it where okay. his strengths are even better. He's a bigger, he's got a bigger arm. I think he's a, a better, more coordinated athlete in terms of, you know, he can get out, roll out to the pocket and he does make some great throws sometimes when he's rolling out with that big arm and his mobility. Uh, but his decisions, I think, at times are even you – know, his decisions in college are worse than what we saw from Kaiser in college. Obviously, we saw Kaiser struggle with that in the NFL, but I thought coming out of Notre Dame, Kaiser was a little bit more ready to play. Um, obviously, he had some moments where he looked okay this past season, whereas I, I think if you threw Josh Allen in immediately from day one, he would look substantially worse than Kaiser just because some of that – the mental aspect of the quarterback game, he isn't quite where Kaiser was last year. Okay, so when we look at the big four of this draft class, then we could make it a big five. Do you do you rank Lamar Jackson pretty close to the other four or not really? I have Lamar Jackson as my fourth-ranked quarterback, okay. but I have a second-round grade on him, so I like him. I think there's a very reasonable chance he turns into a good quarterback, but kind of similar to Allen, there's a lot of tra- there's a lot of good traits there. Um, and he just hasn't quite put it together with some of the decision-making. He bails from the pocket a lot. He locks onto his receivers. So I, I think that if he goes somewhere in a situation where he can sit for a season and learn and then come in, in 2019, I, I could definitely see him being a high-level quarterback. Okay, so if let's include Lamar Jackson then. Allen, Jackson, Rosen, Mayfield, Darnold. I'm going to ask you to rank those five, and you've probably already done this, but those five ranked in two categories. First is most upside. How would you rank those five in terms of the best-case scenario for each of them? Who has the highest upside? I'd probably say Jackson has the most upside. Jackson um, one. Is Allen two, or is or is like Darnold two? I would probably... You know, number two, I would put Allen last on that list, to be honest. And I'd say really? Rosen, Darnold, and Mayfield are very close. Okay. The, Even upside on Allen you don't think is as high as those other guys just because he has some deficiencies. Yeah, I know okay. some people are skeptical when I say that, but here's my reasoning. Uh, the biggest knock on Allen is his accuracy. He has some throws where it just – he has some disastrous throws. Even on, you know, throwing some screen passes, he'll throw it over the head of his running back. And – it's easy to look at that and say, well, if you fix it, he's going to be great because he has the arm strength. But the reality is accuracy is a trait, just like arm strength, that you can't dramatically change. You know, if you can't throw the ball 75 yards downfield, you're ne- if, let's say you throw 50 yards downfield and you're, you want to throw 75, you're never going to do that. You know, we can tweak some mechanics, make you a little bit stronger, maybe get you to throw 55 to 60 yards downfield. 
but you're never going to be able to throw the ball like Josh Allen does. And I think it's the same thing with accuracy. You can tweak some things. Some of his bad throws are a result of poor footwork, especially when he feels pressure. But he has some really bad throws, even when he's in a clean pocket and his mechanics look good. And so I don't think you're ever going to be able to take a guy who just has naturally poor accuracy okay. and turn him into Aaron Rodgers. I think that's just an inherent trait that someone like Aaron Rodgers, he just has it. And he learned how to get better at it, but there was a ceiling there from the beginning. And I don't think that Allen can ever get to that level. Okay. Yeah, and I guess that's the thing. You never hear people say, well, this guy's really accurate. He just has a weak arm, but we'll make his arm stronger. Nobody ever acts yeah. like they can make his arm stronger. Everybody likes to act like they can make you more accurate. Okay, so who's the safest? Is Rosen the safest pick, the most like sure thing? Or who's... Yeah, definitely. Okay. And then... Yeah, I think it's Rosen because I think he's the only one that I would feel confident in playing as a rookie. I'm sure we'll see a bunch of these guys play as rookies, but they'll have some really bad games. You know, they'll make a ton of rookie mistakes. I think if you put Rosen on, especially if he landed on a decent team, which I think the Browns could be with a decent quarterback play this season, I think if you give him a conservative game plan, he could have a pretty solid rookie year. Whereas the others, I think that there's 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 going to be some development they need to do. You know, Mayfield needs to learn how to stay in the pocket a little bit more. Darnold needs to work on his footwork, and some of those mistakes are going to some of those issues that they're working through are just going to lead to more mistakes than Rosen's going to make early on. Okay. When you evaluate the guys in this quarterback class, how do they compare to Trubisky, Mahomes, and Watson last year? And how do they compare to Goff and Wentz the year before? Who, who do you like? Do you like Rosen better than all those guys? Or was there somebody else in one of these two previous years that you liked more than any of these quarterbacks? So, in last year's class, I was actually pretty down on the quarterbacks, which makes me look bad because uh, Watson in his limited time and Mahomes in his one game looked really good. So, I could I had second-round grades on all three of those guys. Okay. They, those were guys that I would have been more comfortable with taking in the early second round. But, obviously, quarterbacks always get pushed up around, so by no means was I shocked to see them go where they did. Um, when the Goff and Wentz draft, I had first-round grades on both of those guys, but slightly lower grades than I have on... Rosen, Darnold, and Mayfield. I have okay. all three of those guys as the highest quarterbacks of the last three drafts. Okay, interesting. I'm tr- I'm just trying to come. I I'm I think I'm working on a on a on a column on the idea of like what if the Browns like can't get this wrong? You know, like it's just a strong quarterback draft. Obviously, I think to some degree, I did like some of the quarterbacks last year. I was kind of a Deshaun Watson guy. I would have been fi- fine. If the Browns would have decided that Trubisky's their guy and they want to take him, I would have been okay with that, I guess. But it seems like the Browns were targeting this draft a little bit, that when Sashi Brown was tearing it down and trying to rebuild, it, it seemed like maybe when they didn't take a quarterback last year, and I know a lot of people thought they might have taken Mahomes at 12 if he had dropped there, but that a, a lot of people in the NFL circles were like you and really liked this class and maybe were a little hesitant on last year's class. Like, I'm just trying, even though Allen is the outlier, but I'm just trying to think, like, what if the Browns, who are the most quarterback-needy franchise in the NFL, just did it right and got the number one pick when there's a bunch of good options, and like 04, when you first started studying this, neither the Giants, nor the Chargers, nor the Steelers that year have any regrets about the guys they, they took. No matter what happened, Philip Rivers, Eli Manning, and Ben Roethlisberger, to varying degrees, were all kind of like right answers that year. 
are there multiple right answers in this draft that maybe the Browns can't help but get a franchise quarterback? Yeah, that's how I've been looking at this draft all along. I think Rose and Darnell Mayfield, as I said, under different circumstances, any one of those three could be a good choice at number one overall. Um, and I, I actually just tweeted this morning um, that I think it's the first time since 2004 that we've entered the draft with three quarterbacks who deserve to be top five to ten picks. Now, okay. There have been other years where we have had three guys go in the top ten. And in fact, in 2004, they didn't actually all go in the top ten because Roethlisberger fell to right. number 11. Um, but heading into that draft, there was a lot of speculate. There was even speculation that the Browns might target Roethlisberger if he were on the board. At, I believe they had six number six that year. Um, so I think it's the first time since then where we've got three guys that the majority of evaluators around the league say are worthy of being taken in that spot. And I think all three of them are right selections. And 15 years from now, we could be looking back at this draft class and say, yeah, those were all three great picks that changed the directions of the three franchises who got them. So if the Browns announce Josh Allen as the number one pick on draft night, you're going to think to yourself, they've made a huge mistake. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, there, there's a path to success for him. It could work out. I mean, I have a fourth-round grade on him. <laughs> if I didn't think there were a path to success, I wouldn't give him a draftable grade. So it's possible. So it can happen. So that's the upside. Okay. <laughs> yeah. You're not saying he should be a free agent if they happen to take him number one. Okay. Yeah. So, so, what's, so if the Browns take him, what's that path? What would the Browns have to do? What would he have to do for it to work out? And in the end... If he hits, if it works out, what's it look like? So the, the upside, if they do take a number one and you're trying to look at the silver lining of it, I trying. think the Browns are, from his perspective, I think the Browns are a perfect team for him to go to for two reasons. One, you've got Tyrod Taylor there for at least one season, and there's zero expectations that you're going to be on the field this season. Also, you've got Drew Stanton in the quarterback room, who's developed a really good reputation over the past few years as being sort of an extra coach. So he's going to be surrounded by guys who can help him learn with no pressure during 2018. On top of that, there's a bunch of really good young players. He'll have the opportunity to learn with Coleman and Landry and Joku um, and develop a rapport with those guys who hopefully will be around for a few years so that when he does get on the field in 2019, he'll spend a season throwing to them in practice, learning the offense. And so from Allen's perspective, I could understand wanting to come to Cleveland, uh, not just to be number one overall, but just the stability of not having to play right away and having some good young players that you know are going to be sur- you're going to be surrounded by over the next couple seasons. Okay. Okay. And so for, for, from a Browns fan standpoint, who, if, if it happens, who, as they get down on their knees and put their hands together and say, please let this work out, if the Browns take Josh Allen, who is he? Who would they be hoping he becomes? I think that long-term, the, what you're hoping he becomes is basically a bigger version of John Elway, someone okay. who's got a great arm, can make plays with his feet. Uh, I think he's got the potential to do some really special things as he rolls out of the pocket. Obviously, he's not there yet, but you know, you could put together a highlight reel of five to ten plays from his season where he just looks like he's from another planet. And so you hope that you just the coaches can put him in situations where he feels comfortable and confident enough to start to do that on a more regular basis. Okay. Okay. 
What is your prediction? So I'll ask you two things, and then we'll let you go, Ryan. Thank you so much for this. What's your prediction on what the Browns will do at one and four? So I'm still leaning, despite all the rumors, I'm leaning towards Darnold just because logically it makes more sense. And I, I just, I guess I have too much respect for the people that work in the front office to actually predict that they would screw it up by taking Josh Allen. So I'm leaning towards Darnold at number one. Number four is a, is it's really tough. I've spent a lot of time analyzing uh, the drafts that uh, Dorsey has been involved in in Kansas City and Green Bay. And I think based on the amount of time he spent in Greenwood Bay, we can probably learn more from those drafts. Okay. And a common theme that they've had for a long time, dating all the way back to Ron Wolf. obviously they've had a lot of stability in that organization. So I think we can assume that Dorsey probably keeps a lot of core tenants that they learned there. They tend to draft for need a little bit more than simply taking the best available player. Okay. Which kind of makes me lean towards Denzel Ward being a target for them. They, okay. they need more help in the secondary. And value-wise, Ward also is a justifiable top 10 pick. Okay. If you were the Browns GM, what would you do at 1-4? and four? If I were their GM, I would take Josh Rosen number one. As I said, I think he's the safest. And even if he doesn't hit his ceiling, I think he can be a quarterback that leads you to the playoffs on a yearly basis. At number four, I would hope that I could trade down yep. because I I think if you if they're assuming there's another quarterback on the board, which there probably will be that someone wants, you can trade down, and then you have even more assets. And then what I would do later on with all those assets, because you don't need you know to fill in the roster with twelve rookies like you did a couple years ago, I would have a short list of players that I wanted, and I would target them, and I would trade up maybe two or three times in the first fifty or so picks and make sure that I hit specific players that I wanted to add because I think the Browns have the assets to make that happen. Okay. Okay. Ryan, thank you for taking uh, time to do this. Very interesting stuff. I'm trying to be open-minded. I've never been on the Josh Allen train. I'm trying to find people who maybe can get me on the train, not having much luck. Um, <laughs> but I think I, I do feel like the Browns have an opportunity here. And and just I, before we let you go for the last one, then like just – do you think the, the Browns have a chance to be a competent, competitive, perhaps on the edge of the playoffs franchise in the next couple of years with what they have in place and the, the front office they have in place now? Do you think that's going to happen? Yeah, definitely. I think health-wise, it could potentially happen this year. I think you know somewhere in the 7-9, to nine, the 9-7 nine and seven range. I think the front line of their depth chart is a potential playoff caliber team. So, you know, some injuries could really derail that. But if they stay healthy, I think they can be very competitive. Ryan McChrystal, great stuff. Thank you for your time. And uh, hopefully we can again have you on after the draft and see what you think of what the Browns did. Yeah, sounds good. Thanks for having me. All right. Thanks, man. And that's it for another Takes by the Lake. Follow Ryan on Twitter at Ryan underscore M-C-C-R-Y-S-T-A-L. So thanks to him. Thanks to Eric Galco. Thanks to you guys. I think we'll have two more this week. Two more this week, I think. Two more Take by the Lake podcasts dealing with the Browns and the build-up to the draft. For now, I'm Doug Maurice, and we'll talk to you next time.